0: Paramount Pictures presents Paul Newman. How about you and me go out there and get ourselves naked and then just see what happens? Okay. 60 years old, still getting crushes on other men's wives. I would hope by the time I'm your age, I'm a little smarter than that. Can't hurt to hope. Sure off to a slow start. In a movie you can count on. I
1: could legally shoot you and get away with it.
0: To surprise you at every turn. Not unless I'm breaking an entering. Are you going to break an enter <laughs> Does it ever bother you that you haven't done more with the life God gave you? Not often. Now, then. Nobody's Fool.
1: just finished shoveling um all the all the studio
0: walkways uh you know how i love putting the the, the snow out the snow machine going every year yeah well i you know overnight i hire a crew to come in overnight and just run the snow machines just fill it up fill up yeah. the studio lot so that when you get in at 4 a.m that you yeah. can come in and immediately start shoveling shoveling and using the snow blower and getting your workout for the day yeah yeah it's a it's it's a great it's a great process
1: and it it, there's a lot of walkways around the studio so (laughs) i designed
0: it specifically to have (laughs) massive amounts of walkways to our our office so (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) well you got to work out that uh that holiday you know the holiday weight we've all gained so absolutely you know the month of january and now here we are as we we come into february can you smell it in the air it's february it's february baby Ooh, I, (laughs) i can't believe we made it We did 2021 February we're just chugging right along here and we're here and uh (laughs) welcome back to another episode of reconsinimation I'm John Diner I'm David Munchak and this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s 80s and 90s and we're checking out how they hold up today here in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's right, we survived 2020, and here we go uh our Our good friend, our dear friend uh, Brent is on assignment this mm-hmm. week, and he will be back uh, at some point down the road here yeah. top secret can't another
1: it. another top secret assignment. who knows what he's going to come back with i i I can't wait.
0: well he he'll come back midweek, pop in, you know, come in for a coffee, and then mm-hmm. he'll be gone again to Transylvania, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. any of the vanias. All, yeah he hits all the venues all the venues <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we're we are uh getting uh, we're approaching valentine's day so it's we're t- time to get more in that kind of mood and and we're, we're also still in that wintry part of the year the winter mm-hmm. season and you know let's keep sticking with the winter wonderland <laughs> okay, the winter fest yeah. 2021 at Reconciliation. It's a, mi- it's a minor winter fest <laughs> Yeah, last year we had a, a winter wonderland for, uh, what, two months And now we're just going to have a, a smaller version of that Of course, we had, uh, what do we have last episode was Shoot to Kill So we were cold, very cold in that one Wintry mm-hmm. through the mountains and, and here we are in uh, upstate-ish New York And mm-hmm. another wintry season So mm-hmm. I'm still in the mood for these snow movies What about you? Uh, I'm I, I don't I don't know I find them overwhelming,
1: <laughs> too much. <snow. laughs> the, the 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 movie we're gonna cover just it was snow and slushy uh, all the time the whole time I'm like they just kept
0: shooting in this, <laughs> I just, oh my god, <laughs> yeah and that's a, part of the part of what I really enjoy about this movie is the way the way it makes me feel when I watch it. Mm. And a lot of that is the visuals of the snow and how you can almost feel how cold it is there. And, and we'll come back to that. But uh, we are talking uh, this week, we are discussing the Paul Newman film, the Robert Benton film, Nobody's Fool from 1994. Yeah, And this is our, you know, every year we've got to get Paul Newman in. I mean, he's, uh, he's my guy. He's my top guy. Mm-hmm. Number one actor. Number one and got gotta get him in every year. And wasn't it? It was about this time last year that we covered Slapshot, right? Last year? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I felt it feels like
1: ages ago. Two <laughs> like years ago. Feels, was it two, two years ago? I feel it was like it's two, two years, years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So no, I mean that was a great that was our first was that our first Newman? No. Yeah, Slapshot was our first Newman. That, that's right. That was two years ago, and that was uh year one. Then year mm-hmm. two, we looked at the Towering Inferno yeah And year right. three we're looking at nobody's fool there we go back to the Paul uh,
1: <laughs> welcome back <laughs> um, i I, uh, I had not I don't think I have any had any awareness of this movie to be honest with you I had no idea it existed
0: um whatsoever at all so, like just not even aware that it was uh, yeah. it had been made
1: yeah there's no the, there's no indication in my brain that was like that, that was firing off. There, there's one moment, which, we'll, if we talk about it in the, the movie, I feel like I'd seen it, but I don't know. I feel like I also could have seen it in another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the rest, it, I just had no awareness of it because um, it was what, 94? Um, and I, I don't know. Yeah. So maybe I was just paying attention only to big blockbuster movies and not, you know, a, a great character piece
0: uh, <laughs> that that's very quiet. For the most part. So no early memories for you. Your early memory is like last week when we started talking about it. Yeah. When you suggested we do it.
1: (laughs) It's like, oh yeah. All right. Sure. Because then even when you Google it, you might get a 2018 version of the movie or well, a movie with that title. I have no idea if it's even a a version of this film. I don't um, think so. Completely unrelated. So um, I had to make sure I kept going back. I was just gonna watch the 2018 one, but I figured <laughs> I'm. Uh, it, it, you you would have figured it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're going through and realize with about 45 minutes into the episode, <laughs> we're talking about entirely different movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. I really didn't. I must have fallen asleep in that part. I, I didn't remember that.
1: I don't remember that, but okay, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs>
0: well Paul Newman is uh, a very important actor to me personally i I've always uh, we've talked about it on the other episodes but I've always really connected with him I look exactly like him part mm-hmm. of it that's that's part of it so mm-hmm. when I look in the mirror I see Paul Newman <laughs> yeah it's your vanity yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's part of it if that were only true but uh <laughs> yeah I've always connected with the characters that he plays I think he was a really not just i think he was a very significant actor for a really long period of time uh, a lot of his movies have they're just not as stressed among what when, when when like tcm turner classic movies stresses that the classic films you don't see a lot of paul newman movies getting pushed right they were big movies at the time and i think for people our age a lot of his films are are important I think to younger audiences, they may not be as familiar with him. So it's, I think it's important to try to pull his films back up to the surface and get people watching him again and and get them in front. And we'll go through a lot of his films in the uh, 51 years that's remaining on our contract with the studio Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. produce the show. So (laughs) um, we're going to jump all all over. We're not going to necessarily go in order, but... uh, this is one, I think, one of the particular ones that gets forgotten, you know, or or was never seen to begin with, uh, yeah. as as you can attest.
1: Yeah, I'm one of those guys. So uh, I'm, as I said, I've I've found many great movies by doing the show with you. So this um, this is another one of those uh, things that like, um, I surprised by. Uh, how much that I had overlooked something that was really good. I'm just going to go right out the, right out the gate and say how much I really like this movie.
0: Yeah. And this isn't, you know, we're, we're, we kind of go all over on the show about the kinds of movies that we cover and we'll cover, you know, the big horror movies, the big action movies, but we're also going to, you know, part of what we do is try to find these hidden gems and, and bring them back into the spotlight. And, and to me, this is one of those, um, I I'll just talk about my early memories with this movie. Yeah, I I mean th- this movie came out in late in '94, mm-hmm. and I only remember it the first time I even heard of it was in the Oscar race in uh, what Jan- January February '95. Oh, uh, amongst the competition between Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Ed mm-hmm. Wood, all the the great movies of '94, this was just kind of in there and and I was like Paul Newman's nominated for best actor what, like why where did that movie come from I haven't even heard of it so that was the first time it even like came on my radar a couple of years later I saw pieces of it on TV and then I didn't actually sit down to watch it until Paul Newman passed away in uh, 2008 and that was huh. when I went through and watched every in order every Paul Newman movie that was available wow <laughs> So from start to finish, uh, I watched everything that was, you could get on DVD at the time. So you,
1: and so that was your, that like, so over the course of a, a, a couple of weeks, like if you were going to watch something, it was a pulmonium movie. Paul yeah. Manum.
0: I it took, uh, you know, I, I let it drag out a little bit, but so it took probably six months or something. Oh, okay. Okay. But I didn't uh, know if you like
1: locked yourself in a basement, like I'm watching these. I'm no, like, I get, I, I
0: got too sad. So <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I get um, it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was the that was the first time I I really sat down and watched the movie, and I was, I was captivated by it. the The performances, were, uh, you know, part of what I love about this movie is how real it feels. And what drew me to Newman's characters, a lot of his characters, is that they always felt like real people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's it, it. Didn't he didn't do a lot of the big blockbuster movies of course we covered one of the few ones he did towering inferno right right <laughs> but even that
1: guy is kind of a re- a real a real uh you know local guy he seems like any guy that l- lived in your neighborhood that everyone knows who this fellow is and and but like all these characters are also different so like they all carry his charm just because he's that he's just that guy with that it factor mm-hmm. um, but he plays a variety of different people um with different different attitudes uh and that i think like it's it's amazing so he, he's fitting into the role as written and he really makes a meal out of um like he with his with this his like he gets such good lines in this movie the the writing of this film is fantastic i really love this script so pairing like a great script with his ability i mean like what a
0: treat yeah and he played you know a lot of the most of the characters he played were all shades of the same color yeah they were very similar like all these characters
1: could be related (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's definitely like i think it's him that comes through so much right Mm -hmm. but Because he 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 kind of can play kind of the I don't know he's too smart for his own good I think is probably a a trait of all the characters, they're all too smart for their own good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's probably like the unifying thing. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and they've all made they've all made choices and they have to live with those choices. They've Mm -hmm. made mistakes and they've they're kind of stuck in them. You know, he's. I you know I don't always love the term lovable loser, but he is like you know part of, that's part of what the hustler is about. It, it's it, you know is he a born loser? Is he mm-hmm. always the underdog? Is he always having to come up from behind? And you know he's got this charismatic charm and this these looks that he just can't can't achieve his goals. You know, or, or it's really late in life that he's he's got to shift gears and yeah and. Uh, you know, this was one of his last really great performances. You know, it, it, when you look back, it's probably this and Road to Perdition are his last really great roles. Of course, you know, he has other good performances. We'll talk about Twilight and, uh, oh, you know, can't forget about Cars. Sure, of course. Can't forget about that. I've seen Cars. I saw that. You see Cars one. 2,
1: Cars 3? I didn't see any of those. Yeah. I don't, don't. believe in sequels. no. And well, oh. he's
0: he's not in him, so there was no reason oh. for me to see him. So okay, got it. <laughs> he, he had passed on by that point, right? Yeah, and okay. thankfully they uh, did not just replace his voice. Okay, do they do they do do they do a tribute
1: in like at least to
0: you know like they had to put his character out to pasture, or do they just ignore the character? I think in two, mention, they, they mentioned they they something. I barely remember. I you know that was. I did not enjoy that movie and I've not seen three. So <laughs> got it. Uh, but yeah, this was, uh, this was, you know, Paul Newman was nominated for an Oscar for this. And that was like, I was saying the first place this movie had, had come on my radar and, and he had been nominated for so many awards, uh, but for the Oscars specifically, he was nominated for best actor eight times. Mm-hmm. He won once.
1: mm. mm
0: imagine the caliber of people he was up against every yeah. time well yeah exactly <laughs> he was nominated for best picture uh once supporting actor once and he got two honorary oscars so oh wow two yeah. honorary oscars two honorary yeah two different awards one was you know the lifetime achievement award and then he got another one so
1: like one of those technical awards yeah that they yeah. do the night the day, the night before yeah. Like he, he invented some sort of coloring process. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: Little known fact about Paul Newman. He was also a Foley artist. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Innovation
0: and Foley work was his bag. Uh, but yeah, that the his relationship with the Oscars has been interesting and it kind of parallels Martin Scorsese's to me that you know, Scorsese won uh, best director for The Departed, but did he really? Was mm-hmm. it was it really for that movie? Was that movie so amazing that he got that or was it really it's recognizing Yeah, it is. Uh, absolutely. But <laughs> <I'm> Sorry. <laughs> but was You're it right. also kind of acknowledging all the yeah. losses he had and all the other great films? I mean, yeah. to not win for raging bull and then that movie be nom- you know declared the greatest movie of the 80s and and uh, some say of all time and, and that those movies were passed over yeah yeah uh, sort so of mistakes acknowledging were,
1: that. yeah yeah mistakes are made and as time goes on you know there's there's a, always that look back of like what what should have been the rightful like winner that year because you like once t- enough time has gone by you get a sense of the history and of the of, of the time and the era so things hit in a certain era but is it is it really the best movies the best story that was told that year mm-hmm. and, um i you know it, it's it's interesting when really smart people like expose those and and like you know kind of do the differences between those five movies back mm-hmm. in you know whatever 87 or or it, Whenever year, yeah, it's like, oh wow. Uh, and, and they take into account the cultural relevance, like where you know, these, some of these movies get these awards and then no one thinks about them ever again, and they're right, like, they have no impact, like other than the impact of that year. And so, you have to think, like, what's the value of these films if they don't have any lasting impact, right? Um, what's the quality? I mean, you awards aren't everything, though,
0: so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it was that that occurred to me when I saw that, you know, he's nominated with Tom against Tom Hanks and Johnny Depp and John Travolta and and in ninety five, that was a huge deal. And I and I remember thinking that oh they're just you know, that's the standard just throwing it at one of the, you know, somebody from old Hollywood giving them the last hurrah. And this right. is let me just preface this this is before I fell madly in love with Paul Newman. So oh, wow. I think Hmm. I'd only seen like maybe Butch Cassidy by this point. So, uh, the, and then when I saw, you know, later when I discovered Newman and then especially when I watched this, it finally solidified that, no, this is a, this is a, this is a fantastic performance. So it was, it was deserved. It wasn't just given to him.
1: Yeah. It was, (laughs) yeah. They didn't just hand a, hand a nomination
0: (laughs) to him. Like, uh, yeah. Well-earned yeah. nomination. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah. Cause I remember thinking like when Kim Basinger got nominated for LA confidential, that mm-hmm. that was sort of a handout and, and Lauren Bacall got nominated for something years later that I felt like, eh, I don't know. You know, it's just another chance to put them in the spotlight and that didn't really deserve it. But, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that's above, uh, you know, or beyond, uh, the uh, the academy to do something like that but this right. was uh in, in hindsight was definitely deserved
1: well these awards are they campaign for those nominations you know we got whole teams and studios campaigning for those nominations to mm-hmm. even uh you know so when it comes down to voting for the final nominations and you know there there's already been a lot of like political stuff going on and and uh, handshaking and all of that and and you know the encouragement of 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 a spotlight of certain individuals so um and then it happens all over again once the nominations are out right so
0: yeah well yeah and and the i think the awards had more importance in the past than they do now doesn't feel like with the amount of ways to watch films now and the streaming services and and uh how many awards shows there are i i don't think it's as uh Relevant as the award shows were all the way through into the 2000s, where it really meant something to be nominated a and then win that Oscar. Sure, yeah, yeah, it's 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 changing quite a bit, right? I mean, I've won four,
1: and they <laughs> felt great. Yeah,
0: but Each what one. Do you,
1: But you know, one of them's a doorstop
0: in your garage. Exactly. Right? Well, what once after the first one, what else are you going to do? What are you going to do with them, right? <laughs> what does it all mean?
1: <laughs> What's the point?
0: One's a paperweight for my dog's paperwork. Your dog's paperwork, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, the, just in case, you know, for those that are listening that maybe don't remember the film, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Newman stars as Michael, uh, or sorry, Donald Su- Sullivan, who is mm-hmm. a small town handyman type uh, in North Bath, New York, who has probably lived in this town his whole life. He is on his own as an older man trying to take care of a lot of people in the town. He's mm-hmm. sort of, it's, it's one of those small towns where everybody knows each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's at this point in his life where he's dealing with mistakes he's made in the past in the a fractured family relationship with his own son and his ex-wife, who we actually barely see. Mm-hmm. And these difficult relationships with a lot of other people in the town, but they have this interesting kind of love hate relationship with each other. <laughs> and yeah. where is he going to go? He has uh, his son and and now grandson come back into his life. And it's kind of forced on him. Of What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Are you going to keep doing what you've been doing and just stagnating? Or are you going to make something out of yourself or at least maybe not nothing, not anything major, but like, fix some of these relationships before you die right and yeah yeah yeah. like what is it what is what is what's a complete life
1: uh that you've lived if if you haven't you know you don't have friendships and relationships with family and all that i mean he just he seems to be sully seems to be a guy that you know throughout his life it, it it didn't seem to matter um that uh like he had, you know, he's got rivals and friends in the same town and they all, and I mean, he's suing his, his, the, the one contractor, Yeah, but he also plays
0: poker with them and, you know, sort of takes care of him, but like, and the guy sleeps on his couch. Like there yeah. are these boundaries that are crossed that are really interesting that people seem to be okay with.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I found it very charming that it's, it's the, all these characters like smash into each other's lives, you know, they are, they are. Or rather, they're just there, living their lives in the same area, and like even his son, who you know he abandoned his son when he was a year old or something, and has it had existed in his son's life, but they don't talk and all of that. Um, for, and they lived
0: in the same town, like yeah, like,
1: like up the road, I guess, yeah. where his ex-wife was, and yeah. um, so their dynamic so interesting that it's 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 almost like everyone i i I was trying to figure it out it felt like everyone acknowledges that their life uh their lives are like kind of small and there's no time to really like let a gripe or a a problem you have with a person like affect your like your decency Uh, Mm -hmm. you know like he hates he does he he they gen- like his son. genuinely doesn't like him, but they still are like decent to each other and can have a, a normal conversation. the 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 problems that are, are there aren't always the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of the present moment seems to be the focus um, for for everybody. And they they acknowledge the past and everything. But so it's like whether it's with his son or with with uh, Bruce Willis's character, mm-hmm. uh, it. I don't know. I, I found it charming that it wasn't an, a big emotional thing because, like, these people have every right to, like, hate each other and, like, never speak to each other. Like, yeah. You know, for, for a lot of different reasons. But it's like, there's no time for that. What's the point? You know, you, you got to live in this town together. So, you know, make it, the most of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's part of the message somewhere in the movie. Um,
0: yeah. And, and it feels like this town exists in a bubble. You never see outside of it. You only hear of, the, you know, the son had been a teacher at uh university of West Virginia, I think it was. So, mm-hmm. you know, you only hear of one thing outside of it, everything else exists within this little bubble. And that doesn't, so they're, it's like they're forced. It's like, they're always going to live here. They're always going to be here. They might as well make it work somehow. Yeah. And, yeah. and, You know, Newman's this is another performance where which kind of parallels Newman's career and his situation in real life that, you know, you're coming, you know, Sully's coming to coming towards the end of his life and Newman's starting to approach the end of his career. I mean, he'd already been acting for more than 40 years by this point. So, you know, what what's left? What do you have left to what do you want to say before you're gone? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? What do you want to fix? So it's interesting how that just kind of happens n- a number of times throughout Newman's career where the role he's playing parallels what's happening in real life to him. Right, yeah. We sort of talked about that in Slapshot a lot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slapshot's definitely one of those for sure. Yeah, yeah. And he's an interesting guy too because very only very early in his career do you see him doing the like movie star stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of the glamour photos that you see of him are all from the either the late 50s or very early 60s. And it was by the time he hits Cool Hand Luke and Butch Cassidy, a lot's changing for him. And he's already aging out of the desire to do all of that, you know, glamorous movie star Appearances and he just wanted To live his life the way he wanted to live it And I love the story of In uh, Easy Riders Raging Bulls And and that's one of my favorite books uh, Which now so, Some of the stories in that are a little bit debatable But there was there's a scene where You know there's parties all the time In 70, the 70's Hollywood Era and mm-hmm. Newman was one of those guys that he would show up First to make an appearance at the party He would have a drink and then as crazy dennis hopper and jack nicholson and everyone was sort of like arriving at the party newman's walking out the door you know so he like said hello to who he needed to say hello to and then he's out so yeah
1: so he played the game a little bit but he wasn't he wasn't up for the shenanigans
0: uh right right that everyone else was so
1: yeah class act all the way
0: yeah he's he's very separate from New Hollywood in the '70s and the the revolution that was going on there with with all those guys and Coppola and Scorsese and and uh, you know everything that was happening there. He's still just kind of doing his own thing, like we talked about in Towering Inferno and and trying to you know keep his star level where it's at without having to rock the boat too much. I mean, he's he's a different age group, so mm-hmm. he wasn't the young lion that. <laughs> You know, he was maybe if he had been the same age as Jack Nicholson, he would have been in with those guys and Warren Beatty. But instead, he was just a little bit aged out of that. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, interesting how his career has evolved. But this story in particular, let's talk about the development of it. It was uh, it was based on a 1993 novel by Richard Russo. So of of the same name. So this was a quick turnaround and development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Russo would, would work with Newman two times, uh, later in his career with Twilight, and uh, which was also directed by Robert Benton, and then Empire Falls. Oh, wow. So there must have been some kind of relationship between, or yeah. I mean, just you know, desire to work together to continue, you know, w- uh, writing parts for Newman or, or making sure that he was cast in, uh, sure, you know, those roles, but, um, there was there was actually a sequel to this written in in 2016 called Everybody's Fool. Oh, really? Which I'm I'm what? curious about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's uh, in that one, it's a the main character is really Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Officer Raymer. Oh, really? Who's now I think the chief at that point, and uh, it's more about his life and you know balancing his job and and what what you know, things he's investigating in the, in this small town. And also Sully is still there. And I think it picks up a little bit after this movie because Sully's still falling into money. And again, trying to resolve uh, before he passes away, resolve oh, okay. whatever he needs to tie up. So, but they're, you know, they have a relationship with each other. So
1: interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That character is hilarious because
1: yeah. it, he's just aggressive and 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 manic and crazy yeah. and like you only you only see him in three scenes separately and uh he's very uh <laughs> anyway hoffman uh, did a great job with that uh that's like he's like the one he's the firecracker in the whole town it's really strange like everyone's kind of like a normal human being i mean there's it's stressful with his ex-wife vera and all that but that's just you know that's just a conflict between people um or is it just He's screaming at at uh, at Sully when he first sees him in the mo- in the film about his uh, back taillight. I mean, yeah. it's just like
0: like he he's looking for it. a
1: fight. You know? Yeah, like this cop's being disrespected because this guy won't get his taillight repaired. Like, like it's a little wild.
0: Yeah, all these characters. I mean, the film is cast incredibly well. Great actors, um, and they you know, they all, again, they all feel so real and they all, you know, as Sully kind of crosses paths with all of them, he has different relationships with everybody. Some are more adversarial and, you know, snipping at each other and, and, you know, some are more loving like with, with um, Melanie Griffith, but uh, Mm -hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, this is very early in his career. What was it? I mean, what was the first movie that he got, really big with i think for me it was like boogie nights was was where he really was it wasn't he in like scent of a woman which would have been before this and i mean he was always in like little things right yeah um yeah i don't know oh no it was twister that was scent of a woman yeah and then
1: (laughs) twister twister is where he that's where he broke out (laughs) who could uh... ever
0: forget him and twister
1: (laughs) He done yeah. He'd done so many things. Yeah, that's probably that's that's uh. Wow, boy. 1990, the nineties would see him more. I'm just looking at this. <laughs> it's, he's this, in more uh, things than you think. Yeah, he's all over the place. Oh, playing so many interesting characters. But uh, yeah,
0: his character here is really just just itching for a fight, and he's so aggressive, and he he just wants to bust somebody, and yeah. you know i think that can happen with people who have this pent-up aggression of living in these small towns is that there's just not enough to do for some people yet they're stuck in this town so right yeah and he's in a position of authority
1: yeah he's got a gun and a badge yeah and uh he's no taillight shall be out (laughs) all taillights must be repaired (laughs) that's the big that's his big stress
0: I love the confrontation scene between between him and Sully, where you know Sully's driving on the sidewalk, and yeah, uh, and then he, which is right, shouldn't be doing that, but he, you know, cuts him off and then holds him up at gunpoint, and but you can see this fear of what he's, what is he going to do with this gun? Is he actually going to, does he actually intend to shoot Sully for driving on the sidewalk? Yeah, yeah, and then he fires (laughs) like, um. Yeah, that's, that's, that's
1: a talk about escalation.
0: Yeah. And then of course, you know, Newman takes care of him, knocks him out. Yeah. Gives him, that's how you solve your problems. Yeah. Old salt the (laughs) cup. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's so uh, great performance by him. You've got, let's talk about Jessica Tandy for a second in her final, uh, final film role. She Mm -hmm. would pass away. Uh, did she pass away by the time yeah she passed by the time this was released because they've got a um a acknowledgement of uh, or they de- dedicated the film to her yeah she died in September
1: of 94 and this movie came out when did this movie come out de- December 94 so. December 94 yeah. yeah so yeah yeah, yeah she, uh, uh, <sighs> go ahead yeah so she's she's lovely as this uh kind of uh, moneyed uh, old older woman that apparently used to be Sully's teacher yeah <laughs> like and he's living in her home and occasionally is there to take care of her her needs and but she is um she's like this like stable like motherly influence over him um you know and um i i think it it's funny his relationship with like different like sully's so relationships with different female characters in the movie like they've they vary quite a bit so like meryl's like his a mother figure melanie griffith's in the movie playing toby his rival's wife she, he's like that's clearly someone he's like attracted to and just has a good rapport with and then you have his ex-wife he doesn't who he doesn't speak to um and creates like issues there and but then you know the bar um margot Martindale also in, mm-hmm. in the film the bartender who's just like the person who just accepts him and how he is. I mean, this, all this, this entire movie is how every other character reacts to him. I think, right. You know, they all have, they all seem to be full characters. Um, but everyone seems to have a different, different take on him.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, he's in almost every scene in the movie. I mean, 95% of it. it. This is Newman's show.
1: Yeah. It's all the actions for him. Um, so, yeah, Jessica Tandy was, was so lovely in this. Um, being, I don't know, I, I think without her existing, you know, he might be, a, Sully might be a harder person to, to get, to open up and get mm-hmm. into. I think she, that relationship, I think, softens the character. I, that's how I saw
0: it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right. His relationship with women in the film. I mean, Newman always has interesting relationships with women, but this one, it's a lot of almost, you know, uh, mm-hmm. each of these women is almost that role for him, but not quite, you know, she is a motherly figure to him, but not his mother. Right. right Melanie yeah. Griffith is almost a love interest, but not quite. Right. You know, it's right. never executed. Mar- right. Margo Martindale is that bartender, who normally, like, you have that, you know, you vent to them, you talk, you know, and, but she's just like, she doesn't engage. She just puts up with all his shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hands him a beer when he comes in and just yeah. lets
0: him be and whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a, a good lot point. of conversation, but, mm-hmm. and this is another one, an early one in her career, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and all, all good performances from all of them. And, mm-hmm. and Jessica Tandy, I, she, I missed a lot of her, early work. I mean, I think it was Batteries Not Included was the, the oh, movie yeah. that that it was like, oh, or was it Cocoon? Was she in both of those? She might have been in both of those. I think she's in both of them. Miss and then, Daisy? Yeah, Miss tomatoes. Daisy. I'm not huge about Miss Daisy, but... Uh, yeah,
1: I'm just pointing out something. Oh, yeah, me. of course. Well, that was yeah. her
0: Oscar movie, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this was... Uh, this was... I don't know if it was intended to be her farewell, but it ended up being... A, a yeah. good note to go out on, and yeah, and it's even referenced in the in like the first scene of the movie when when you know she's looking at it starts with she's looking out the window and this tree branch comes down and crushes this, uh, <laughs> yeah. bir- well, this uh, bird bath and then she just acknowledges like like God's coming for her, yeah yeah because
1: there was another natural incident uh, <laughs> down the street or something so God's getting closer and closer.
0: <laughs> um, Bruce Willis in this movie. Yeah, what a treat.
1: Total nice surprise.
0: To... I mean, this is one of those you have every once in a while you'll have actors big actors appear, <clears throat> excuse me, in in a movie like this, more of a drama, more of maybe an indie type film yeah. uh and not get credited. Yeah. And this is uh it was when I first saw it I had no idea he was in the movie and it, it kind of like I was taken aback by it. Yeah. This is Bruce in 94. So this is just before Die Hard 3. Also the same year he does Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, right? 12 uh, Monkeys Co- will be coming Color of, out soon. Yeah, Color of Night was 94. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's still definitely, I mean, I don't know if he ever you know ever left the A-list star level, but uh but yeah, this is uh, I, I'm I'm I wonder what Maybe, you know, it was just the opportunity to work with Newman and Maybe. to work with Robert Benton is why he pushed for this role and yeah. then was able to not uh, take credit for it. I mean, Bruce Willis puts his name on this movie, it becomes something else. Is he not credited at all? No, I don't think he's credited at all. Oh, really? I mean, like, he's in like IMDb, but I don't think he's on the poster. He certainly wasn't in the ads for the movie. I mean, well, sure. Huh, but because would, it's like you know if this reminds me of when bill Murray uh had his name taken off of Tootsie right 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 that you know they he didn't want it to be the expectation that it's a Bill Murray movie in nineteen eighty two which would have been mm-hmm. huge and yeah, yeah. taken away from what the attention of what the movie is about so i I wonder if this is a similar thing of Maybe. I'm sure they paid him you know whatever they paid him. Mm -hmm. but uh you know you put Bruce Willis's name above the header with because he's not going to go after Mm -hmm. the title he's going to go above the title or not at all so you know it it, then it makes it seem like it's really about the two of them and it's not just about that I mean that's part of the story but not the whole thing it also would insinuate that there's some kind of action involved in this (laughs) right right which there isn't
1: (laughs) yeah well, he, you know, yeah, it's uh, and he was doing very different movies along with like your last Boy Scout and Die Hard and stuff like and you know striking he, distance. Yeah, yeah, but like you know when he did uh, Death Becomes Her, mm-hmm. like um, which which was great. I really liked that movie um with him in it, and it's it's him back to the his comedy roots, sort of playing this. I think he was playing sort of like an unassuming kind of dude who got you know in this this triangle rivalry or whatever right um but um so yeah he was still picking interesting things and like pulp fiction of course and like so yeah he it's uh it was i had no idea it was in it so yeah it was it was cool just to see him in that supporting role as and he could like you could you could see him as the sleaze and as like the rival um yeah pretty well like he he does so well with the part, um, without being too big. I almost expe- you'd almost expect him to be taking over every scene, but he doesn't. He doesn't do it. It's not shot that way. It's not cut that way. Like it's very much right.
0: Like- well, you also I don't think you can take over a scene that you're in with Paul Newman. Well,
1: that's what I mean. I mean, yeah. I, don't th- I don't think there was any attempt to try to do that. Right, um, right, right. So he's just he was there, um, perfect
0: foil to him. Yeah, it's so- an interesting time in bruce willis's career where where i think he was trying to shift to to see what else is gonna you know you can't do action movies forever or can you as he he did kind of prove you could but you can (laughs) i think at this point he was trying to do i think that's what color of night really was was an attempt to show like hey i've got i've got legs here i can do other things i don't have to jump off buildings and out of helicopters and uh, and all that stuff but uh, sure Of course, he would end up continuing all of that and successfully, but, uh, you know, he wanted to grow. And again, Pulp Fiction was uh, your perfect example of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. but I love their dynamic here. Like we were talking about earlier, they're just this love hate thing of, you know, he's he's Newman's character suing (laughs) is in the middle of a lawsuit against Bruce Willis's character and his construction company. Yeah yeah and they he has to stay employed by him yeah he still offers him work yeah yeah like so yeah he plays
1: carl and then carl sully's suing carl and then sully's uh lawyer werf played by gene Sachs, like they're all in a poker game later and talking about the case and then he's still offering him work (laughs) it's just i I loved it i love that they didn't have to be they may they definitely don't like each other but they could be they could be people in the same room together.
0: And- yeah, and there's they they taunt each other constantly, you know, they have this this uh back and forth all the time. Yeah. You know, Carl's uh, company sort of is like the construction company it seems like in the town that yeah. they they kind of control all the projects. So if if Sully wants to work, he's got to at some point work for him. So I'm he keeps th- Carl keeps throwing him these odd jobs and always paying him off the books because it can't be on the record that he's still working for him. So, right. Right. Hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, Sully's an older guy. He's got a really bad knee that that's part of what he was suing Carl's company about that. He was injured on the job and kind of can't really work anymore, but he's still trying to anyway. Yeah. Well, that's what he knows. That's how he, right. That's, that's how he can pay his bills. Yeah. uh, But yeah, another solid performance uh, by Willis, and then Melanie Griffith. Yeah, Second time working with uh, Mr. Newman. That's right. You know what the first time was?
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Nope. The Drowning Pool, 1975. So very young. Very, Mm -hmm. very young Melanie Griffith. Uh, We did talk about her a little bit in our Night Moves episode Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. last year. Which you can find in our archives at Uh Yeah, I, they're they're dynamic too. You've got a big age gap between the two of them.
1: Yeah, it kind of annoyed me a little bit.
0: I I like the idea that. Um, yeah, but
1: like they have such a great rapport together, and they understand each other. They have they have good banter. You can see actual affection for one another. Between them. So it's real chemistry, you know, that that I think works. But I got disappointed at the end where like she that she was almost willing to go through with it, like go away with him and be with him, even though it seemed like it, it was gonna fall apart anyway, like yeah. immediately. Like Carl wasn't wrong. He's was like, She's gonna be crying and you can't handle it and all that. But she was like, I think she knew as soon as she got in the car that it wasn't gonna work. And they both understood it. It was like this fantasy, so I, so I'm glad it wasn't like a thing that almost it probably just never could have happened no matter what. But I, I I was just sort of annoyed of like pairing a beautiful like younger woman with the older star of the movie. Yeah, kind of, kind of annoyed me a little bit. Like, yeah, if, if, if I
0: have a gripe, it's sort of that. Like, i i hear you on that i think that that's one that's one thing i where i think it is a little bit salvaged is that they don't pull the trigger on it that yeah. they acknowledge it's it's really about the flirtation and the yeah. mystery of it that that's the sexy the, the sexiness of it yeah that, you know if you actually went through with it it wouldn't it would never live up to what the the mystery was so yeah
1: And I mean, there's relationships have relationships that occur like that in real life that it's just sort of like you dance around like being an emotionally available person for someone and you can talk about what your life together could be in like these passing moments. But then, but could you really be together? And and even if like Sully says, like a few years ago, I definitely would have done it. But even then, who I mean, we didn't know the character, but it just seems like even then it it just couldn't probably work. Um, yeah. Cause it just didn't feel right to either of them. So I do like that. It it ended up with like a resolution between them. Um, that, you know, the fan, it could, it just can only remain a fantasy. Um, the the movie gets a way to like wrap up every like dangling thing. It sets into motion, like all in the last like 15 minutes, which it's kind of cool. (laughs) I think everything
0: sort of gets a resolution or an answer.
1: Um, uh, by that, by the end,
0: but I do agree with you, and I have a problem with it too. Of of older male stars with younger female, mm-hmm. you know, co stars, and and in a in a sexual relationship, or you know, there was a movie that just came out. I don't know, a few months ago, Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried as a couple. What? <laughs> now, oh, I-, I love Kevin Bacon. Okay. yeah same but and no... he looks younger than he is right but he is an older man whether you know, whether yeah. he admits it or not or seems like it or not he's an older man and amanda is mid-30s and that's like a what 30 year yeah you no know, almost a 30 year age gap and i just don't don't buy it and and I struggle. I really have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with, with, you know, as they're getting, you know, some of these stars are getting older and, and, you know, even like a Brad Pitt is moving into that level that, uh, you know, how, how much longer can we buy these guys as sexy, you know, like, you know, sex symbols and Clooney and, and, you know, Emma Thompson just did an interview where she was talking about, you know, how, you know, and she personal friends with George Clooney, but, How do you justify, you know, going having relationships with twenty year old girls in your in your movies? Jack Nicholson was another person, you know, uh, later in his career, still doing that. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just, I understand that relationships like that, like them with those age differences, could exist, but it's so much uh, a Hollywood casting thing that it's just you can't ignore it. You can't just, and I mean, I get. I mean, she i'm not sure how old i mean she's probably supposed to be what 40 maybe 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 like like um but it's still at least the late 30s yeah yeah about a 30 year 30 to 25 year gap and it's so it's impractical and i like i do like that their relationship was depicted the way it was i mean i get i like their scenes together are so like they're like lovely and sweet kind of um with a with a bit of an edge because of like you know they shouldn't be even talking to each other the way they do right um so it's not it's not like so heavy-handed or obvious like that other like especially like a a hollywood like like blockbuster movie or just you know where you're going to have an older male lead that obviously is going to get paired with the hot young whatever blank and it doesn't you know it doesn't really resonate but yeah um so yeah, that, that, my one gripe probably is that that just that age difference is installed there.
0: Yeah, if it's part of the story, that's one thing, and and this kind of feels like it's part of the story. Yeah. So it, I think you know we give this particular instance a semi pass.
1: <laughs> yeah, a semi pass for sure. Yeah, but it,
0: uh, so many other movies, it's it's not. It's just it's just casting
1: it's, for sexy purposes if she was like, I mean, the thing is she's sort of this prop in a sense, like she's, she's Carl's wife, um, you know, and she throws him out and she, she's living an entire life in a, in a shitty, shitty marriage that Sully just gets to come in and banter with her about, and then kind of leave her to, you know, live, go live your life. You know, like she's not given a lot to do other than to like suffer. And like Sully is almost like this, uh, like redemption for her like that in this fantasy and, and and the same for her to him like they could just go away together let's just go away somewhere warm yeah um but uh it's i don't know it's it's it seems like a little bit unfair to the, to Toby, the Melanie Griffith's character.
0: Um, Yeah. A little bit. And you really don't get to know her character that well. All you see of her is her reaction to knowing what her husband, Bruce Willis's character is doing that he's going out and having an affairs, having affairs and running around with women and, and she knows it, but can't prove it. And, and she's just reacting off of that. So she really almost doesn't have much of a character on her own. Um, Yeah it's just reacting to what the male in her life is doing.
1: Yeah. Like her, yeah. Her husband's a, is a, a cheater. And Sully is like the person she can have an emotional affair with, uh, to make up for it. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, but this is Sully's movie and there's a, a lot of characters to, to, you know, pair with him throughout. And so everybody gets his, I I mean, I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think she's misused or, you know, you could change the story and give you more to do with Toby, but you're just going to lose out on other characters in it. So, right. You know, there's, there's still a lot of different relationships that, that need to be addressed and keep those characters feeling dynamic and engaging. Um, So I think it's, I think it's effective uh, for what it is.
0: Part of the, I mean, the, the, Arguably the main storyline in the movie is his relationship with his son and his grandson coming back into his life and uh, his son deciding to move back to the town and, and attempt to have some kind of relationship with each other. Yeah. A part oh. of why the father son relationship is such a strong element. And in, in I think for, for Newman is, you know, the issues he's had with his own son with uh, drug addiction and, and losing his son at an early age oh. uh, that, you know, I, I think that's a character note that's really important to him. And, oh. and he could play that note really well, having, having lived it. And, dylan walsh is not i mean i've only seen him a few, in a few films i, I yeah. don't think i have not seen him in a long time but i think he was he was great in this movie
1: yeah i didn't really recognize him I, I maybe sort of but i didn't really know who he was but i he can he holds the screen with with paul newman like no problem um and he was great i, I like his character peter who you know? They just happen to be driving along and and pick him up hitchhiking when yeah. Sully's Sully's tire blows uh, while he's doing some work.
0: And um, oh, I forgot, Dylan Walsh was in Nip Tuck. That's Nip Tuck. Yeah, but name. I haven't seen him since then, really. What so. about the C- Congo? What about well, of course Congo? Congo. Uh, that was that was your post uh, Nobody's Fool role for him. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: That was the immediate. Um, but uh, he, you know. It, I think it's it's so effective of how it when peter and his wife and his family pick up sully there's a whole you get a, a, an idea of their backstory like from right then because even yeah. like his wife played by Catherine dent do- doesn't seem to like sully at all like <laughs> probably just just you know would your wife like your father if he abandoned you when you right. were a child you know right. like you know um and they do say stuff about the relationship and with the the ex-wife and all of that, but there's a lot of energy that goes between all the adult characters in there um, pretty quickly to, to give you a sense of like how the relationship really is.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you can tell that he's like a lot of the characters in the movie. They've, they've given up on, on Sully. Yeah. You know, he's, he's gone through his, his son has gone through his heartbreak through his, you know, whole life. And, um, he just doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have that uh, spot to go to for that. Not that he can't love his dad, right? Um, but he doesn't have that uh, that same. I don't know. It's hard to explain, I, I, hard to describe, but it's just not the same. He can't get to that level anymore. And and well, he talks yeah. about it in the bar too. That mm. that you know he thought about. You know he asks Sully like, "Did you ever think about me?" And he's Says yeah, sometimes, yeah. and then he just said, "I thought about you every day." Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that was I, heartbreaking.
1: Heartbreaking. I know it's such an. It's such, yeah, it's a gut wrenching moment.
0: Um, yeah,
1: I think it, it's like you said, everyone sort of gets to a point where they can just sort of be done with him. Like so, there's Peter's not there to make strides to improve the relationship, um, and he accept he certainly he basically accepts his father for who he is and doesn't have to like him, but can still interact with him and, you know, work with him. And they slowly build up their relationship. Um, but even still, it's not like, even by the end of the film, it's not like, everything's fixed now. Everything's no. lovely. Because yeah. I mean, it seems like his, his, his son's going to go back to his, his wife and and repair the relationship. You know, Sully acts as a, um, as a, like a, a, an early, a warning system. Like, his, he doesn't want Pete to do what he did and like just not, you know, just walk out or just accept the things that they, they are instead of like trying to fix it. Right. Um, so, you know, but I, yeah, I really enjoyed their relationship. I, I like that. None of the characters seem to, they don't need, they don't act like they need each other, even though all these people in this town, they do need each other and they, they understand it, but there's no emotional, like, like it's not overdone, you know. You you yeah. You can buy that people exist because Sully's in almost every frame. You you they're trying to tell you that like all these other characters have full lives that are going on that have nothing to do with Sully. So that's what's masterful about the script and the direction, because you know you if Sully was was the in every scene, you know a, a poorer screenwriter I think would make. That solely more of like a a deity, like everyone reacts to him, and really we don't care about them, unless he's on the screen. But I, I feel like all those characters are given such a dynamic life that you can you can buy that he's just going to kind of appear in their lives as necessary, and they haven't been they're not just waiting for him to appear. You know what I mean? So right. I I, I yeah. think I think it's really deft uh, of 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 how the story plays out. Um, He's not like a giant hero. You know, he's no. got his friends, he's got his friends and he's got his enemies and they
0: kind of overlap. But uh, well, he's n- he's he's know. an anti-hero really. I mean, he's sort of a rebel and uh, anti-authority it feels like and and that's sure. a tip, those are typical Newman character traits that yeah. most of his characters have have those. Right, yeah. It <laughs>
1: it's funny how the character Hattie uh, foreshadows uh, that you that of driving on the sidewalk because she's she, you know she uh, the character has some sort of dementia and you know the, the town sort of looks after her and you know sully comes in and rescues her but she's walking in the middle of the street and a car moves around and said there's no driving on the sidewalk <laughs> and then i think probably within half an hour uh sully's literally driving on the sidewalk uh to chase down his friend yeah so <laughs> um Nice little all,
0: all these all these closed loops in the movie, you know. You yeah. Get the, the, the well, that's <laughs> that's strong writing for you. That's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's you know written. We we haven't met. Well, I mentioned his name, but Robert Benton is the writer director of the movie and uh, another really important filmmaker, I think. And yeah, uh, he excels in these movies where that are really based in reality and real people with real feelings and real human emotions going on. And, and Kramer versus Kramer. I don't know if I can ever watch Kramer versus Kramer again, that, Mm. that, uh, you know, once I had kids, like just to see the true heartache that the kid, you know, that, that the child feels in that movie and the way that the, that the parents just cannot, cannot keep their relationship it just it won't hold and and this is an after effect in how they're handling how they're handling that or or not handling it um is you know uh, uh, that's arguably his best film but i think this is right up there with it that you know he's nailing those feelings and and really bringing them out it's the relationship with the appearance of the grandson that is really what starts to trigger change with yeah. sully's character that you know, he starts to, doesn't have that stereotypical, I mean, he, he's he got the scene where they drive together, but, you know, he's having fun and, and and sort of seeing a second chance with the grandson. And then it's all kind of occurring to him that you, you've got to like try to fix some of this stuff. And mm-hmm. I agree with what you said, that at the end of the movie, it's not like him and his son are best friends and they're going to live together and they're going to, you know... yeah hang out all the time but but uh there's some kind of repaired work done there to their relationship to just tighten it a little bit
1: yeah yeah i think like when sully sort of rejects like going to hawaii it, it's not because everything he has now is so amazing it's just that it it's like my life can continue to get better and i don't have to run away from it like like that seems to be He's got a lot of good things. He's realizing how good he he kind of has it. And he, the, he can continue making that happen. Um, yeah. I love that. I think, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's like, everyone is, um, it's all very human. And Sully treats, he treats everyone sort of the same, in a sense, uh, depending on how he feels about them, though. Uh, yeah, But, um, you know, he's, he doesn't like talk down to the grandson and he doesn't pretend that he isn't a shitty father to his son like he it's like his ego isn't in the way like there's no ego that gets that that takes sully over you know it's just sort of his it's just his choices and his and his feelings of like not you know not living up to a, a stand other people's standards and he's just well that's just what had happened and you feel like he, he he's not what do i want to say i, I feel like he's he understands like all the shitty things he did um, happened and he isn't saying, well, like screw it. Like it doesn't matter. And this is my life now. Um, But he's finding opportunities to make it better, I guess. And I think you're right. Once the, once the grandson will uh, is sort of introduced and he sort of has to, he just helps him. (laughs) Like the the grandson ran away and hopped in his truck and he didn't even realize it. Right. um, With all the conflict going on at his ex-wife's house. And um and it, it it creates an opportunity for that connect a new a brand new connection in his life is a grandson that he didn't even know existed i guess or at least didn't and you know hadn't seen in years
0: yeah uh, and it's that you know where the after the grandson runs away in his truck and then they go have the ice cream in that restaurant and they start talking and he starts realizing that his son's life is really not that great that he yeah. You know, uh, Sully's never really made anything with his life. Like he runs away from his problems or he avoids his problems and he's never really achieved anything. And, and, uh, you know, I think Bruce Willis's character acknowledges it, that like, you know, at one point in the movie that y- you have, like, you have all this opportunity and you have all the the smarts and you've got the, the uh, know how to do things, but you just never take advantage of it and never, you know, make something out of yourself. So. Yeah, you know this is where he changes that, and he at least tries to be a, a good. You know that he says in the movie too that he's somebody's grandfather. So, yeah, you know that means something now to him. And then through that, you know maybe he can repair things with his son a little bit. Yeah, which maybe. you know we see him him achieve that. Really, that by the end he's, you know, he's on the upswing, and will it hold? We don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, possibly think- not, but. <laughs> Like, I think it's good that I don't think I don't think Peter and Sully hug at the like in their last scene together. Right. No. Like I think he, they just like the elite or, you know, the scene ends or whatever. And it's, yeah. or it's it's great. It, it's very human. Like it, there's still boundaries there. But how how you, how great was that scene with Will with the ice cream? And Will is just explaining his little fantasy about like how mom and dad are going to get divorced and then this is going to happen. And then they're going to then they're going to get back together and they won't fight about money and all other things. And you're just. I mean, the the more the interesting shot is that it's just Newman watching him. Yeah, like, it's all he's just watching this kid's like fantasy worlds uh, being described. Yeah. And like you said, like realizing it's his son's life isn't so great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's feeling part, partly responsible. I don't think for wh- where the son is, but he's responsible for like where his son could be. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I th- I feel like that's, that was the motivation. I think that, yeah, that was the cru- crucial scene you, we he needed.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and, and he says, point. he says to Jessica Tandy's character early in the movie, you know, we, we wear the chains we forge in life. And I think that's, sums up the character right there that yeah you know he's ma- made his he's made his choices he's had to live with them yeah and now what's he going to do about it? it can he do anything before it's too late yeah and he doesn't like apologize for them or look for pity or anything
1: like this is just he's very much aware of his life and accepting of it and i think you know it's kind of a refreshing take on these on that kind of thing where you get into like a psychological, like an uh, examination and you could be like super depressed and super like, you know, uh, unable to do anything because of any number of like emotional hangups for it. But he's, you know, he's, he's more or less a, a regular guy. He's just, he's, he's made, he's made the choices and, and there's really nothing else he can do. He, live, he tries to live very simply doing the simple jobs you know and then betting on the trifecta you know like we which is not something we see him do but that's just something it's that's, that's this little tiny tiny subplot thing there yeah um that uh you know like eventually says the odds the odds will come in my the odds will eventually break or whatever knowing that he'll lose time and time again until eventually the odds will catch up to it so um which is kind of like a foolish thing. It's like, oh, one day I'm just gonna I'm gonna win the lotto if I just keep playing the lotto. I'm you yeah. know, I just gotta keep at it. He's been on horses, which are uh. you have far better odds of winning eventually. But um it's it's almost like after he achieved everything he needed with people, then actually he got the lucky thing. The trifecta actually paid out. Yeah. Um but when he thought he didn't 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 have the bet because he was in jail because of the choices he made, like which Carl says to him while they're carrying uh, Hattie's body, like he's like, "Yeah, you did that, you know, you're that that that's your that's your fault or whatever, yeah. you know." Yeah, and he, he's just like, "Of course," he doesn't like throw a tantrum or lose his mind yeah. over m- missing out on the money. It's just like, "Of course, of course, everything I did made me lose out," and it's like, you know, it's, it's just a, like a a giant hammer of a metaphor, <laughs> like just striking him. Well, it was his son, too, that placed the bet for him. Right. Well, yeah, yeah there that, that was that surprise at the end. I don't remember him actually telling him to bet the trifecta. I
0: think they me. were just talking about it while they were in the car before. Well, while, while he was driving on the sidewalk, like he had just he had just said something about it. So, oh, OK,
1: OK, because I, I remember we, he escorted him to prison at night and he gave him a bunch of stuff to do. Make sure you do this. Look, yeah. after this and Peter says, it's really it's going to be really hard to be you, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah for or something. Yeah which, yeah.
1: Which is another telling moment. So, yeah. Yeah, this is just a brilliant screenplay. I'm it really be.
0: is. It's 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 well crafted and and you know we talked earlier about how the film makes you feel. Like for me when I watch it, like I feel that small town. You know, I grew up in what was a small town. It's it's not really anymore, but mm-hmm. uh it was, you know, in Westchester, New York and it's called Somers and and it was you know, I this was and it's funny because this movie was shot in Beacon and Poughkeepsie, New York, which is like 15, 20 minutes away from where I grew up. So mm-hmm. I, I know this area and maybe that's what I'm recalling is like sure. how it feels to walk in the, you know, uh, the, how cold it must feel there and what it feels like to walk in that sludgy snow, which there's so much of in this movie. I mean, it's either like kind of like ice on the grounds or it's that that's sludge, you know, yeah. It's just um,
1: constant. You never see, uh, uh, what do you call it? Plowed roads. Like it's just, right. I mean, they're pro- they're probably plowing, but it just continues to snow. <laughs> yeah. It's more that
0: course. they're just packed down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You're driving on top of the snow. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, I think part of that really adds to the tone and the feeling of the movie that the cinematography is, is really well done. It's not, and I wouldn't say this is like a, a cinematographer's movie, but but the ability to make you uh, feel the, the, you know, have a feeling for the movie is also part of that.
1: Right. Yeah. I And like, because of where you came from, like, yeah, this is, it's got that very familiar edge for you. Um, it's got to feel right at home. Just because like, yeah. even just the types of buildings and, it's the architecture and it's the layout of this of the tiny town and yeah i mean the 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 opening of the movie is sets up like a lot a lot of key locations of the film that we'll see throughout the rest of it and it's just like here's another aspect of this small town and here you know it's it introduces you to the the physical location before you start to get to know anybody Yeah. And
0: every, everything's old and, and worn down, you know, so many of the buildings are old and falling apart and decaying. And, and I was reading, you know, just a little bit about the sequel book and that's still a theme of it that um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's characters, you know, looking at these houses that are falling apart and grave sites that are like decomposing in on themselves and Mm -hmm. just everything kind of wearing away from the middle and, and, um, you know showing its age and that's a that's a you know, part of what's going on in this film mm-hmm. and um and the just
1: real quick the other i think main relationship we not we haven't talked to is about uh rub who uh played by pruitt taylor vince yeah um who basically works for sully and is kind of a you 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 figure out later like Rob uh, probably sees Sully as like a father figure like they're be- like they are best friends, but they work together and he just sort of sees him as a as a dad kind of guy yeah because uh, he takes such umbrage with Peter being brought in his actual son being brought in on the workforce and you know he's just kind of like throwing like a bit of a tantrum about this other well who's his kid who's this other kid coming around why are you paying attention to him yeah. I don't like how he talks to me. And I don't like how you talk to him actually. Yeah. He says. And he like literally throws a tantrum, he throws a beer at the at the house <laughs> yeah. and storms off. Yeah. Um and uh but like but that but even then Sully like goes to an extreme to to kind of get him back, like slowly driving on the sidewalk to sh- I, I'm not even sure. It was just sort of like nothing else mattered to him. Yeah. It was like I'm I don't care. I'm not supposed to, but I, I gotta Keep going and I don't know I thought I thought that was a really nice little relationship that like it, it got more play like l- late in the movie because um, otherwise he's just sort of like part of the the team of people and then right. you know he, he got to have his own like emotional like connection with Sully um, like later on yeah I think that was kind of nice
0: I really love to that at the end of the film not everything's i mean yeah they they resolve things in such a way that not everything's tied up and with with a bow and that's the end of that storyline but it's come to enough of a conclusion that you know he's done something with each of those relationships so they can move move on from that you know but it's not this it's not always it's not this hollywood sappy happy ending
1: yeah nor is it one of
0: one of my favorite downer endings of the seventies, but, um, (laughs) you know, it. it, but that's part of what makes it feel real is that, you know, in life, you don't, you know, relationships change and they evolve and they don't always end the way you want them to or expected or, um, you know, or, or just the way you predicted that they're going to, and they, they take a life of their own.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, uh, that, that, that's what I really, I I think I could just keep coming back to it where it's like, it all feels so real and so down to, so down to earth. And like, yeah, nothing is so perfectly done and finished. It's not Hollywood at all. It's like, it's very, it's, it's people, uh, who all have to go to sleep and get up the next day and continue with their lives. Um, which, uh, that's, that's such a, uh, Because I think the events of the film take place what basically from
0: Thanksgiving to probably New Year's right to New Year's right yeah yeah so so a holiday film that I totally you know didn't realize it was a holiday film we could have put this could have been Thanksgiving or a Christmas movie or Christmas You could do it we could we could do it twice next
1: year we'll do it we'll (laughs) we'll, uh, but yeah all this all this sort of happens in this compressed time of less than like two months
0: yeah when so I circle back to that 94 Oscar race Mm -hmm. when I come back to it now and I look at who's nominated in that category Mm -hmm. looking at it now for me like Paul Newman wins that award Mm. in hindsight you know I don't think I'm not in the Forrest Gump camp like that movie to me has not aged well Mm -hmm. uh I think it's You know, uh, the 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 legacy of this movie, you know, I I wouldn't say that this movie has a huge legacy. It's part of Newman's body of work It's part of Robert Benton's body of work. And Mm -hmm. but it's not this is an Oscar style movie, especially in the 90s. But it's not in your face like Forrest Mm -hmm. Gump is like Forrest Gump is like begging for an Oscar oh yeah Braveheart is begging for an Oscar it's like I am doing this for the trailer and for these moments (laughs) that the Academy will vote for
1: yeah yeah I need a
0: powerful powerful cutting edge kind of
1: moment to 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 summarize what these films are yeah Forrest Gump has it Braveheart has it like
0: yeah and I can't take those movies seriously anymore um you know not that there's not Especially with Forrest Gump, there's other things that work really well in the movie, and and mm-hmm. not to say that Tom Hanks is a bad performance because of course he's not. We love Tom no. Hanks here, love Tom Hanks here. Uh, but you know, this performance is so much more understated, and it, it feels to me it's about feeling. Especially with when you're talking about Oscars, it's about what feels real, you know, in, in that world, and mm-hmm. and this was a difficult, uh, you know, group to come in with. And like I said, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Ed Wood, um uh, trying to remember what else was 94. I'm sure there were other, uh, uh, other big movies, but, um, you know, so it's easy to see how at the time this one could just slip, you know, fall to the wayside, even though it's, you've got a Titan with Paul Newman here, um, uh, that those are the flashier, flashier performances. And, um, uh, I would say, you know, it's really now. I would put it between Newman and and Johnny Depp as Ed Wood, but even that's, you know, a very over the top character.
1: Well, I'm looking at this. Well, Ed well, Depp wasn't actually nominated, was he? I thought he was. Was he not? No, I'm looking at this. It's actually it was Hanks and Travolta,
0: Newman, right.
1: and then Morgan Freeman for Shawshank, and oh, then, Shawshank, yeah, and then Nigel Hawthorne for the Madness of King George, right? Um so was was it the year before well i don't remember did edward did edward come out in the same year? edward was 94 yeah because oh, okay. martin so, landau
0: well, it was martin landau that won uh the supporting uh, actor that year, oh you're, think, right, so, you're right yeah yes. but uh i think attention wise you know when you look back at 94 yeah those are the movies you you talk about Whereas this one is um even uh, of course shawshank gets a lot of attention uh, attention too and well deserved yeah. but um, yeah uh, but this is, this is, uh, you know, my sleeper performance of, of 94. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: I, I'm, I'm with you on that. The boy, he did a great job. Ugh. Well, let's
0: talk a little, uh, let's talk a little box office, shall we? <laughs> okay. All right. I like the B.O. So the movie comes out December 23rd, 1994 uh it comes it's got a slow roll a limited release it comes out in just a few theaters and eventually uh you know expands in in January of 95 it had a 20 million dollar budget uh that opening week is only 92,000 which is uh, i think pretty good considering it's in like seven theaters <laughs> uh oh that's its first opening uh, or its first week in wide release it's 7 million and it it uh lands at number five between dumb and dumber and house Guest, your second favorite movie of all time
1: house guest with is that wait steve martin and queen latifah
0: (laughs) that's bringing down the house he does a lot of movies with house in the title Uh, okay i couldn't wait then
1: which one was house guest is that Uh,
0: goldie hawn goldie (laughs) yeah (laughs) um it ends up with uh 39 about 39.5 million uh worldwide so it does it does turn a profit there yeah uh, it's the number 41 movie of 1994 falling between city Sl- slickers 2 and on deadly ground ooh okay. three movies that couldn't be more similar right <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, well, uh, as far as the Paul Newman movies box office wise, this <gasps> this lands at number twelve, uh, behind the Color of Money and ahead of Silent Movie, which is a a Mel Brooks film. So yes, yeah. So I think you know, for I'm surprised they hear a twenty million dollar budget. So a lot of that probably went to Newman and <laughs> and Bruce <Okay>. Willis.
1: <laughs> I'd have to say, right? It's and Melanie be...
0: Griffith, maybe. So
1: yeah, I, I'm assuming the cast were demanding, uh, you know. Uh, des- deservedly so. Lots yeah. of money to be in the movie. So yeah, yeah. I mean, how much are hotels in Poughkeepsie? <laughs> Can't be that much. Very expensive.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> probably two fifty a night. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where does this? Okay, I, and I know you haven't seen all of them, but of the Paul Newman films that you've seen, oh boy. So think about that. Which ones you've seen? Uh-huh. Where does this one kind of fall for you? Oh, boy. Because um, you've seen, obviously, Slapshot, Towering Inferno. We know you haven't seen Color of Money. We've discussed this. That That's come up. Um or the Hustler. You, cool Hand Luke, have you seen that? Uh, no.
1: I've seen The Sting. I've seen Butch Cassidy. Right. Uh,
0: so, yeah, not a lot of his so, films. All right. So, with those, Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, no, I not didn't, I didn't see that. Okay. So of those ones, where does this one fall for you? Um, I guess I'd shot, put- Towering Inferno, The Sting, Butch Cassidy. Nobody's Fool.
1: Um, this would be in the top half of the list of those five movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
0: probably probably
1: two, two. I think maybe.
0: Nice. Behind what? Butch Cassidy or The Sting? Probably Probably the sting. Honestly, I really yeah. enjoyed the sting. All I, right. I
1: like the sting a lot more than well. Oh, Pushkin's so good too. I don't know. Uh, but uh, top two or three. Yeah. So, really enjoyed this one. Slapshot's yeah. great too, but you know, I probably honestly, I would probably rather watch this one before I again before I see Slapshot again.
0: Yeah, this one. This one falls ahead of Slapshot for me. Um, this is probably. I don't know. I really enjoyed it this time. It, this was probably top eight you know i've seen mm-hmm. so many of the newman films and and you know your cool hand luke's and butch cassidy's and hustlers and color money like those are going to be in the top four those are probably my top four i would you know i think this one for me ranks ahead of the sting um this one this one is probably now within the top six i'd say all right wow yeah
1: okay. yeah oh i have seen perdition road of perdition and all right yeah and cars but uh, yeah, cars. still not. Neither one are still getting up there. But. Yeah. So I still have a lot of Paul Newman's to go, and uh, before I can really get a good list going.
0: Yeah, if you're a fan of of Newman and you haven't seen this one, it's 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 really a must see. Um, yeah. It's yeah. one of the best of his films of the later part of his career, if not yeah. the best. So. This is an
1: official reconsentimation must see movie. <laughs> you must run out. We to need some theme
0: it. theme music for that. Yeah,
1: it's a must see.
0: <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, it's always good to look back at uh, at Mr. Newman, he's missed every day by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, I do yeah, I, I always love looking back at his films, and there's so many great ones that mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to cover here. And and I'm looking forward to you for you mm-hmm. uh, to see them for the first time. Some of these, I'm gonna get
1: into it. I'm going I'm I can't wait. I can't wait
0: to talk to you about it.
1: You can see the world of Paul Newman through my fresh eyes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul's my forever Valentine. So as we get closer to Valentine's day, um, I'll be celebrating with a glass of uh, J and B or something. There you go. There you go. (laughs) In a a room alone with no lights, just thinking about Paul Newman. It's funny how you have
1: the the uh, a Paul Newman headshot above your your front door and every time you're leaving the house you kiss your fingers you just give him a t- you just give him a tap as you're yeah. walking out the door you know like like you're like in the Notre Dame locker room
0: hitting the hitting the inspirational quote <laughs> over the <laughs> well we yeah. almost we almost called it you know Paul Newman Studios not Reconcination Studios <laughs> yeah <laughs> we were very close <laughs> very very close to that close second but <laughs> um all right cool well we uh we have a a good lineup the rest of this month and uh we're going to be coming your way the next couple of weeks uh so stay tuned for that you can always uh check out us on our social media uh platforms uh reconciliation podcast on twitter instagram facebook and and all the all those things <laughs> so yes feel free to drop us a line there and and uh send us a suggestion or, or what you thought of an episode, we're always happy to have feedback with you guys. So, uh, always appreciate that. And, and don't forget to, uh, you know, drop us a line on, uh, you know, a, a rating and review on Apple podcasts and, uh, Spotify and Stitcher and where, wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts, it, it helps the show and, and boosts it up, uh, in the, the scope of things. So yes, Always appreciate that. And a quick thank you to our friends, E.K. Wimmer for the theme music. Don't forget to check out his podcast, laser Mm grades and our friend Curtis Moore for the poster as usual. He works very hard for us and we pay him nothing. Oh,
1: you haven't been paying him this all time.
0: I, well, the checks are in the mail. So, okay. All right. (laughs) No, but thank you to those guys. guys. And, uh, I'm looking forward to coming back with you next week, uh, Munchak, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if Brent is able to join us if he's back from his assignment. We'll see.
1: We'll see. Hopefully, he's not dealing with some sort of vampire bite,
0: oh, or or lycanthropy.
1: <laughs> that would be bad. We wouldn't so. <laughs> And hopefully, he would tell us if he was going to turn into a, a, a battled wolf. Yeah, there's no vaccine for
0: those yet, so they don't have those yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, you take care. We'll see you on the next episode of Reconsinimation.
1: Bye now.